Hello, happy holidays. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So first of all, as you guys, if you listened to my last episode, know I had a back procedure last week and I had no idea what was going to happen. So let's kind of rewind a little bit and talk about uh, what's going on with my back because I myself have no idea and would love to share the confusion. Back in March of 2021, so uh, nine, ten months ago almost, um, one night I was just sitting on my floor and I was making a TikTok and out of nowhere I just turned and my whole back went out. I couldn't move my left leg. I was in agonizing pain, like screaming, crying on the floor. My parents had to come in my room and literally pick me up and put me in my bed. And I had no idea what the heck was going on. And for two weeks, I was stuck in bed. I was having so many difficulties. He finally got me in to see a pain management specialist. And they had found that uh, I was having issues with my SI joint. And he diagnosed me with sacroiliitis. But in order to fully diagnose me, they did a trigger point injection on my SI joint, which is a steroid, and um, it helped tremendously for about a month. And then after that month, literally to the day, uh, it stopped working, and I was back in bed for about two weeks. Um, And then we did another trigger point injection. I had a wedding to go to. I was actually a bridesmaid for one of my college best friend's weddings, and I was begging him. I was like, please. Just do another, get me through this wedding, and we'll figure it out. Um, luckily, he was able to anyways legally, but at the same time, he was like, you know, after this one, I'm not going to be able to do another one. I don't want to put this many steroids in your body, um, but I would like you to, I, I think at the time, I also decided to see a orthopedist, a spine orthopedist, I believe, and um, he was very nervous because um, he was seeing something weird in my MRIs uh, on one of my nerves. He was afraid that I had what was called a schwannoma, which is a tumor on your nerve, and it can normally just be like an overgrowth of the nerve and cause a lot of pain. Um, But, you know, it can be scary because they also need to make sure it's not cancerous and all of that, whatever. So it took a lot of back and forth to try to figure out if it was a schwannoma, and I was also told by another doctor that I had it on my right side as well and that the chances of them both being schwannomas was not the case. So this was going on for like weeks, them going back and forth as to, is it sacroiliitis? Well, is it my schwannoma? Well, I'm actually missing a right facet joint and my left facet joint is taking all the weight. So is it my left facet joint? There were so many like unanswered questions. I was so frustrated. And I'm going to tell you something. I am not one to throw a fit. I don't punch walls. I don't, like, I just, I can't. I don't have that much anger in me usually. I was so upset. Um, I took my door and I slammed it really hard into the wall, made a giant hole in my wall. Did that help me at all? No. Did it help kind of get the anger out? Sure. Do I have a hole in my wall? Not anymore because we uh, patched it up. But... <laughs> I do need to paint over it. So when I look at that, I'm very upset with myself um, because I'm not that type of person. But, you know, having all these unanswered questions and being in the pain that I was in uh, was really frustrating to me. So finally, um, we narrowed it down and it was sacroiliitis in my left SI joint, but I also have arthritis in my left facet joint because I am missing a right facet joint. 
you don't know where any of these parts are, honestly, I had no idea either. I had to look all of it up online because I was like, I'm not sure what I'm looking at here when they were trying to explain it to me with like the little bones that they show in the office, whatever. So it's all around like my pelvis area pretty much. So sitting for long periods of time, standing for long periods of time, um, even laying down for a while, you know, it was like everything was just making it worse. And in the summer, I had gotten what was called a PRP. So plasma-rich platelets, some maybe reverse, something like that. I don't know. They take your blood, they spin it, they take out the platelets, which they then put into the joint. And what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to pretty much cause as much like pain and inflammation as possible so that your body then goes to that part of your body, like sends off red signals, uh, red flags, and your body goes and heals it. Um, so that's the purpose of it. It's supposed to be like very rejuvenating, um, uh, minimally invasive. All they do is take your blood. But yeah, so uh, I got that done in the summer. But at that time, I wasn't, um, I was seeing a new physical therapist this fall, but before that I wasn't. So I felt like I wasn't really making a lot of progress. So when I got the PRP, I was in the most pain. Like it was worse than the pain that I had already had. So I was in bed for a week and a half. Uh, Walking was so difficult. I remember when I got home that night, like when I got that injection, I was in so much pain. I couldn't feel my left leg. I was like uncontrollably crying. Um, It was I I just never wanted to go through that again. Um, Trying to get up the stairs when I got home took like 25 minutes. It was just a mess. So yeah, that was a difficult procedure to go through. But after a week and a half, once I started to hit that two-week mark, I was feeling great. I was feeling so much better. I got to about almost three weeks, and then I was in a car accident. And it wasn't my fault, but I did end up getting whiplash. And I don't know what happened exactly in the car accident, but something went wrong and my body just went back into the pain it was in um so that was really frustrating because you know my my doctors didn't want to prescribe me like pain medication either because I'm 25 they don't want to see me get any sort of addiction to opioids or anything like that so um staying away from that of course but it was frustrating yet again because I felt like I was calling out of work all the time and like when it would flare up really bad I was laying it down and I didn't feel like I could work out or really even make content and I was just so so upset and I was frustrated because I was like is there no is there really no cure for this like I don't understand um we also had attempted to do a trigger point injection on my facet joint that did not get as much relief as when we did it on the SI joint uh we also tried to do it might have been a nerve block. Maybe that one was on the facet joint. I don't know. I had so many random things done. Um, and then one of them was a trigger point injection. The trigger point injection might have been on my piriformis, which is muscle. That's like pretty much your <laughs> around your butt bone kind of area. Because um, that area really is where the most pain lies. It's like right in my lower back and into my butt bone and then down my hamstring. Um, so, and they, they said I don't have sciatica based on all my MRIs and based on the symptoms, it's not sciatica. So, you know, after going through all of these random experimental procedures is what it felt like, uh, we did know for a fact that it's sacroiliitis. Uh, They think it was caused from 
if you don't know what this is, feel free to look it up. Chin stands. When I was a dancer, I would do chin stands. Um, I had a flexible back, and I definitely one time was not as stretched as I should have been. And um, I just remember I went into it, and uh, yeah, I was in a lot of pain for a week. So they think that that kind of initially struck it, and that was the cause. And sometimes when you injure that area, it might take a while for that injury to really flare up. So um, when I started seeing my new physical therapist this fall, I felt like he was really helping because he was like kind of manipulating my back in a way that I felt like I wasn't getting from my other physical therapist. And he was like pushing the vertebrae away from the injury. And he was able to also um, align my SI joint because it was rotated, which is a big reason like I've been in so much pain. So that's really been helpful. I've been able to not work out to the extent I would like to. Like I can't do squats. I can't do certain stretches. Like there's things that I shouldn't even do because it will unalign what we're trying to fix. So unfortunately, you know, I'm limited still. But I will say, like, looking back to where I was this summer, I'm, I've made so much progress. So we decided to move forward with trying another PRP because that did give me the best results over the summer. And so that was what I got um, last Monday, the 13th. <laughs> now, I made a mistake going to this procedure because I already know, I've already been through it. And, like, they give you kind of the rundown before you get it. So... At this point, I should have known, and I think because I've gone through so many different things and just injections, kind of forgot about the part where they actually have to take your blood. And I already have some pretty delicate delicate veins. Um, so, yeah, I worked that morning. I was so busy working, and then I kind of forgot to eat enough. And I promise you, I eat plenty. Um, it's just the way that I typically eat, and everyone's different. But I know that in the mornings, I actually feel really sick if I eat right away. I kind of have to wait a couple hours. Um, So I'll typically like force down a granola bar so I have something in my system. Um, And then I eat, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. But I just typically do it later. So Monday I'm working, right? I ate the granola bar. And next thing I know, I have to leave. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, let me just scarf down another granola bar real quick and we'll be good. We get there. And we're waiting for a long time. They finally call me back. And I go into the room where they're supposed to take my blood. And the first thing I think of is like, oh, shoot. I hope this works because I don't know if I ate enough. So I should have said something out loud so that they would have brought me a snack. That was my fault. So, guys, learn from my mistakes. Um, And, (laughs) oh, yikes. So, again, I have delicate veins, and they didn't really want to take a vein from my arms. They were like, let's try one from your hand. And when they went for the one on my left hand, my vein collapsed. Um, And I actually have a giant bruise now on my hand. (laughs) I did do content today, so I wound up putting makeup over it because it's for a company. And I was like, oh, God, this bruise is not very pretty. Um, So, yeah. Then they tried the second vein on my right wrist, and it was working. Up until the point where they got to about 30 milliliters of blood and they needed uh, 50, um, I started passing out. My heart rate was going down. Um, the room was spinning. I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was going to throw up. I knew I was passing out, but I couldn't say anything. And all I was hearing was like this loud ringing. I don't know if you guys like, have you ever seen a movie where there's an explosion 
and whoever is like kind of surviving the explosion just hears that loud ringing and you hear it on the tv that was what was happening in my head and I was like what the heck is going on and I was holding on to the table in front of me and all I could think was like oh god do not pass out the last thing you need is to pass out hit your head get another concussion we need to get through this like don't pass out don't pass out and then all of a sudden um, I start being able to breathe again because they had hooked me up to an IV when all of that was going on because they saw that I was passing out and I wasn't responding to them. So um, I finished the IV bag. I felt so much better afterwards. They gave me tons of snacks, water, plenty of that stuff. And they were like, you know, you are, your vitals are back to normal. So if you would like to proceed, like that's up to you. But if you are not up to it today, we can do this another day. I was like, oh my gosh, no, let's get this over with. Like, that's my fault for not eating enough. I feel much better now. Let's just get it over with. So I took a vein from my arm. <laughs> it worked. Needless to say, didn't feel dizzy, nothing after that. So it was all good. Uh, procedure went so smoothly. And when I got the injection, I mean, it was so painful like the last time, but I wasn't uncontrollably crying. It was like slightly less painful than the last time around. And then we're in the car and I'm like, kind of like I'm responding to my mom. Like the last time around, I just like was crying and trying to breathe. And this time I'm like having a conversation with her a little bit. So I was like, hmm, this makes me nervous. Does this mean it's not working? Because <laughs> isn't it supposed to be like super, super painful? Next day, I'm feeling great. Um, you know, I, I still decide to take it easy, but beforehand my physical therapist and I kind of talked about like hey if you um are gonna get this procedure like keep in mind you're gonna have to have a lot of downtime and downtime has been what's actually been making it worse lately for me uh walking and doing my PT has been super helpful so when I don't do that stuff that's when I end up having more pain so he was like you know I'm a little nervous for you that you're gonna have to like take a week off by day three I was walking I was doing my physical therapy again now, no, I wasn't doing my modeling stuff and the content stuff just because I didn't feel like I could quite sit in poses comfortably and whatever. I kind of did want to have my rest and all that kind of stuff. But also, I was still really lightheaded because at the end of the day, they wound up taking like 80 milliliters of my blood. And I only weigh not that much. I'm five foot one. I'm really short. So like not a lot of blood to give <laughs> to give. Um, you know, I was always that kid in high school. I'm just really small that like couldn't give blood um, because of how much I weigh. So yeah, that was definitely, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like recovery process wise this past week, I was suffering more from the blood loss than the actual procedure. Um, but hey, I called my doctor the next day and I was like, uh, am I supposed to be feeling okay? And they were like, you know what? Maybe it's just the heavens gracing you. I don't know. Have a good holiday. <laughs> they were like, it's too early to tell if it's working. It's supposed to be like a month afterwards. You actually see the full progress. It's like the first week is supposed to be uncomfortable. Second week, start to feel a lot better. Third week, fourth week. By fourth week, you should pretty much have figured out if it worked or not. So yeah, we're going into the, we're just finishing up the first week. Um, today I'm a little bit sore. And, you know, move around as much today as I probably should have. Um, I did decide to take a little bit of a lazy day. <laughs> I did have a lot of content to do as well. So that was kind of holding me back. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm staying positive. That's that's my whole back issue, guys, in case anybody wanted to know or cared. I know, actually, a lot of people were asking, so I figured I'd just go into detail. But, I mean, I'm pretty stoked about 
the possible results. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of good news actually this weekend, and I wish I could share it, but I can't yet. Um, but very soon I will be able to. And yeah, it's just been it's been a good weekend so far. So I hope everybody else is on the same track as me and having a happy holiday. Um, and if you're not, um, you know, I'm sending my love and I'm manifesting <laughs> positive vibes for you. Little side note here, if you need a little pep in your step or need some energy, feel free to use my discount code. It's L-I-L-Y-Y at checkout for Gamer Subs. So if you don't know what Gamer Subs is, um, which I hope you all do by now, I actually work for them. I'm a social media manager for them, but uh, they are one of the healthiest energy drinks I've ever had in my life. I never drank energy drinks. Um, I like my coffee. That's pretty much it. I don't like carbonated stuff. I don't like super sugary drinks. I always feel awful afterwards drinking them sodas, etc. But Gamer Subs is just a powder you put in water, not carbonated, uh, actually no carbs, sugar-free, keto diabetic friendly, vegan, and tons of tasty flavors. We have so many more coming out. We also sell waifu anime merch. So yeah, definitely check them out. Again, my discount code, you get 10% off at checkout. It's L-I-L-Y-Y. So for the second half of this episode, I'm actually going to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And I haven't quite known how to bring it up. Um, I know I'm taking a total turn from the whole back procedure, but, you know, we talked through it. We're good. So (laughs) let's kind of switch gears here a little bit. We're going to talk a bit about social media, modeling, and photography. Um, Let's see. Growing up, I always wanted to be a model. And the reason is my mom was a Ford's model, and I loved her pictures and it just it made me want to be a model like her and so uh, in college I started kind of getting into freelance modeling for some photography friends I started meeting new photographers that kind of stuff but you know my mom had said some things to me and I did get a little bit nervous here and there you know when you meet somebody off the internet that you have no idea who they are you want to meet in a public place right I mean, they say that about even like Tinder dates or dating apps. You want to meet them in a public place and you want to make sure they're a real person and all of that. But when you're modeling and you're meeting up with a photographer for the first time and you're alone, that is a terrifying experience, an absolutely terrifying experience. Because as a model, especially somebody who models like I do, I model um, bikinis, lingerie, you know, the more seductive side of modeling. And that's a very vulnerable type of modeling because you are trying to be as comfortable as possible in front of this camera and whoever the person is behind the camera. And if you're not comfortable with that person, it's very difficult to model. Um, And I'm not even a professional model, so like I can't speak for the people who have done this um, professionally. But for somebody who is a content creator and does and has met up with photographers, um, you know, this is something I haven't talked about and I've been wanting to talk about. But some of you might know from a couple of stories that I've told in my chief blog that there was a point in time during COVID when I couldn't meet up with my photographer friends because um, I was very insecure about my teeth and my smile. The other aspect to all of that was there were photographer friends that I had not quite met yet, right? I met them online, we became friendly online, but I never met them in person and they were hitting me up to do photography 
Um, and I had already been in some weird experiences and I just wasn't comfortable meeting up with new people. And I can honestly say I still feel that way. And if I have ever been distant toward you and I don't know you, this is why. And I'm telling you why. And this is your job as a photographer to make sure you feel you make this person feel comfortable. So here's the experiences that I've gone through. And I really hope that um, if anyone listening who has done this to me or somebody else, please listen to what I have to say and just think about the feedback that I'm giving and really think through, okay, how can I change this? How can I make this person feel more comfortable so that they will model for me, right? So I'm the type of person when it comes to content that I handle it in a professional manner. I don't mix relationships and content. I don't want to mix relationships and content because if I'm working, I'm working. So I've run into issues where I've modeled for photographers and found out later on, either from them or other people, that they had a crush on me. That's fine. I don't want to know. You're allowed to have crushes on whoever you want, okay? That's human nature. Sometimes we can't control that. But it then becomes uncomfortable for the model if they then know this or if you make any advances because we're meeting up maybe in a public place, maybe in a private place, and it's just the two of us. That's going to make me feel uncomfortable, especially if I'm barely wearing clothes, right? So all I ask, is you make sure you find a way to make this person feel comfortable. That means don't flirt with them. Don't try to match with them on dating apps. Don't try to hit them up late at night or to go on a date or anything. Don't swipe up on their stories and tell them they're hot. If you want to swipe up on their stories because you liked the picture, you swipe up on the story and you say, hey, this was a great shot. You say it in a professional manner. If you want to work with this model, Be professional because if you're sitting there wondering why you're not getting models because your photography might be amazing, but you're not getting these models that you really hope to, think about the way you're complimenting them and is it coming off in a way that could actually make them feel uncomfortable and not want to work with you. And I'm going to be honest, there were a lot of times where I wanted to work with a photographer and they said or or did one thing that made me uncomfortable online, I never wanted to meet up with them afterwards. And I still don't. It's just not, it's something that, that is my comfort zone. And in any job space, right? Even if you're not getting paid, even if this is like a mutual, mutually beneficial situation, right? You both have a following or vice versa, whatever, and you're helping each other out through making content. doesn't matter. It's still professional because at the end of the day, you're still doing this for a type of career. So think about it as if you were in a workspace. Would you be flirting with your boss? Would you want your boss flirting with you? It's just uncomfortable, right? You're there to work, get your work done. You can be nice to them, but you have to figure out a way to be nice and professional at the same time. That's my feeling on it. And I'm sorry I got a little serious here, but I'm standing my ground on this one. And I think it's about time that society starts changing a little bit. Because I know a lot of people who have been in scary situations with that. And it's not okay. 
it's really not. If content creating and social media is something you want to get into, figure out a way to be professional. Okay, on a brighter note. (laughs) So I have really been thinking a lot lately about my future. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I always felt like growing up, my friends, my family members, all knew what they wanted to be at a younger age, whether it was high school or college, or even when they were little kids. Everyone knew their path. And I just always felt kind of lost. Like in high school, I thought, well, maybe I want to do this. Well, maybe I want to do that. Every year it was changing. College, same thing. Um, Toward the end of college, I pretty much was on the same track. But by the end of college, I was like, do I really want to go into this? And I'm glad I got the degree and what I got it in. Um, because you never know, maybe one day I will use it. But right now, I'm kind of, <laughs> right now, at the time that I was kind of finishing college, I was like, get through it. You know, you enjoy what you're studying, keep studying it, keep learning. But I don't think this is something I want to do. So when I graduated college, I became a dance instructor. And then I started getting more into social media. I actually wanted to do social media for dance. I wanted to continue a dance career. Um, and use social media to help me with my dance career. Then I started making funny skits about my teeth and that kind of stuff started actually helping me a lot on social media. And I realized I loved social media so, so much. So when, when I first started even using social media way back in college, this was probably around the time frame that my mindset was changing of like, do I still want to study what I'm studying right now? Um, I was seeing influencers doing, you know, travel influencing. And I was like, that's the dream. I want to travel. I always wanted to travel. That was kind of why I studied what I studied. I studied foreign affairs because I wanted to travel to different countries for the government. So I was like, I want to travel the world. But I also want to do it with social media. And then it kind of became like, I want to do it with social media and dance. But then I had the back injury. And I also got a lot of concussions. So then it was like, do I, do I want to continue to dance and put myself in harm's way? You know, because as much as I love dancing, I get injured so much. Um, that was kind of an executive decision that I've talked about before that I had to make that choice as to whether or not I can continue dancing. And I couldn't, um, obviously, because my back now. <laughs> And who knows, maybe one day I'll get back into it, but for the moment, um, you know, I can't. And so there was even a time frame where I was like, I want to be a flight attendant because I want to travel. You know, traveling has always been something that I loved to do when I was little, and my mom would take me places when I was really young, Um, and I miss it. I miss it a lot. So I had this idea the other day. I was like, okay. Sometimes I feel like photo shoot wise, I live at the Jersey Shore. It gets cold. I like to do photo shoots on the beach. I can't do photo shoots on the beach anymore cold because I break out in hives. It's not even like I could just do it and like just deal with the cold for like a little bit. Like after 20, 30 minutes, my whole body's in hives. Then I can't model. So <laughs> I need to, uh, you know, find a different, a different place if I want to do the modeling that I want to do. Also, like today, for example, I had to do a photo shoot and I went to walk outside and the wind literally blew my hair upside down. 
And I was like, oh, no, no, no. We're not shooting outside today. We're going to shoot inside. But we're inside my house where I always shoot. I always do photo shoots here. So what the heck am I going to do? And that's kind of, I mean, not today. I thought about this a little while ago. But I think when things start to slow down with COVID, you know, really manifesting here, um, I have my vaccine, so I feel comfortable traveling. Um, I think I really want to just travel and make content. And obviously, I'm going to work my full-time job. Um, You know, I can do a lot of my work remote. Um, If I were to travel, I'd stay a place for a couple weeks, I think. That way, I could fulfill my 9-to-5 job and also be able to make content and explore. Because I've been thinking a lot about, do I want to move? Uh, that's been on my mind for the past year. I want to move, of course. No offense to my parents. They're like, I want to get out of here. I say this every episode. Um, but for a while, LA was the dream. And looking at the expenses, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. And I've never even visited. Like, do I even really want to live there? And then, you know, I heard talk about having to move somewhere else. And I was like, well, I've never been there either. Do I really want to move there? Plus, then I would be landlocked, and I don't want to be landlocked. I mean, I wouldn't mind being landlocked for a month, but I don't want to live there any longer than that. So, you know, I think that for me, traveling would be really beneficial in so many ways. I think it would be beneficial for my full-time job. It would be beneficial for my content, then I'm not making content in the same place every day, every night. And it would also kind of help me figure out where do I want to live one day? Because I know I don't want to settle down right now somewhere. I want to see the world. I want to explore. I want to visit different places, different countries, different parts of our country. So, you know, that's that's kind of the short term, the (laughs) words, the short term goal at the moment. Um, you know, thoughts, I don't know. Anyways, we are at that 30 minute mark, but I did get some questions this week that I would love to read and try to answer. So let's go through them. All right. So the first question I got was, I had a cleft lip and I had to get false teeth and I'm still shy. I don't know if I can get the confidence to tell my significant other or even my best friend. It's really just embarrassing. How do you do it? Well, I (laughs) got to tell you, um, I feel you on the embarrassing part because I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. I still don't. Um, But I was really scared. And telling my best friend um, actually helped a lot. Telling your support system um really helps build up that initial confidence i will say um it's going to be uncomfortable because they may make they may make comments that they don't think are offensive but really you take offense to it for example when i first lost my teeth my parents would kind of joke around with me to try to make me feel better because they're similar to me they cope with humor and at first i was really bothered by it Um, but after a while, you know, there was no need to be because they weren't being mean. They were just trying to kind of help me laugh it off and just feel a little bit better. They really felt sorry for me, though. Um, they didn't want me to have to have fake teeth. Never. But 
they were there for me. You know, they were just trying to find a way to relate with me. And if they really are your best friend, or they really do love you as a significant other, they're going to be there for you. That's the most important thing. I think if you're ever going to tell somebody the way you approach it, I mean, nowadays I just take mine out and I make a joke and I'm like, huh, if you don't like it, like, screw you. But that's also because they're not my significant other <laughs> um, or my best friend. Um, if you're going to tell somebody that you really care about, I think the best way to go about it is to kind of present it in a way that you are vulnerable and you want your feelings validated and you want to make sure that they're there to support you. So, you know, you could go to them and say, hey, look, there's something I've been hiding from you because I'm nervous about how you'll react. But I need you. I need you to support me and I need you to love me. And if you can't, I understand. But I myself am super embarrassed by this. And I don't know how to get through it without you. Um, and just, you know, if they really care for you, they're going to be there for you no matter what. You know, that intro might scare them a little bit. They're going to be like, oh, God, did you kill somebody? Like, what happened? Um, but <laughs> you know, just making sure that they know that you need them, um, I think is the most important part. Because if you just go into it and say, hey, I have fake teeth. I mean, you know, most people might be like, hey, that's cool. But if you are really nervous, um, your best bet is to make sure that they know. They, you also should, you know, set boundaries. Tell them, like, please don't make jokes if you think it's going to help me. It's really not right now. I'm not ready. Um, if you need them to make jokes, you know, tell them that too. Opposite. Be like, hey, I cope with humor. Help me find ways to joke about this where it's hopefully not going to hurt me. Um, but yeah, just making sure that they understand where you're coming from before you tell them might actually make the, uh, reveal smoother. And from there, um, you know, it can only go up. You don't have to tell the world. I only tell the world because I want everyone else to know that they're not alone, but you don't have to tell the world. All right. We have another one. Um, guys, keep in mind, if you ever have any questions or comments, feel free to DM the Instagram account, only teeth pod. Or uh, email the onlyteethpod at gmail.com. Sorry, there is no the. Onlyteethpod at gmail.com. <laughs> no the. <laughs> all right, so the next one is, Hi, Lily, I'm so sorry to bother you. Not a bother at all, first of all. You're not bothering me. I made this email for a reason. <laughs> I had a question about your teeth and wondered if you could help me. My husband needs both of those same teeth removed, 9 and 10, when he was in high school and was elbowed during a basketball game, and both those teeth had root canals. Now they're failing. He has an infection and bone loss, etc. So he needs them extracted. There's talk of bone grafts with implants or a bridge. I don't know what to do. It's going to cost $10,000. Is your flipper your end game, or are you seeking a bridge or implants? Do you have pain? So many questions, and I have nobody to ask <laughs> because of HIPAA regulations, and I don't know if dental forums are a thing. Thanks in advance. I appreciate you. Okay, so let's start with the first one. Um, is your flipper your end game? It was not intentional to be my end game. Um, so there's a couple of reasons that I actually can't get implants at the moment. I was supposed to get implants about six to eight months after I had them extracted. Uh, but I have another tooth that's having issues. 
And so we've been trying to figure out what's wrong, but, and I'm seeing a specialist for that, but because they can't figure out what's wrong, they don't want to go back in there and put the implants in and then something else be wrong and then they have to do more stuff because I already have one implant. So as we've been trying to figure that out, then my whole back issue started and that's been like a 10 month issue. And so I have not even had the time nor the <laughs> budget to go back and try to figure out what's wrong with my teeth. So flipper is not end game, but when I talked to my dentist, um, based on the amount of teeth I lost, which I guess is the same number, nine and 10, um, he said that I could go quite a few years with the flipper if needed. So not end game, but could last me a while. Um, I don't have pain where the teeth were. They did a very good job at making sure that there was no more infection, but that other tooth that's in pain that they can't figure out what's wrong is in pain. Um, not super severe to the point that like it has to be extracted right now, but again, to the point that I can't get implants. Um, let's see. I feel like I've kind of answered all the questions. It is a lot of money, I will say. Um, I think the way that we had broken it up was we did... So when I got the teeth extracted, they had put bone grafting in right away. Um, we didn't do any of the implants or any of that because that needed to heal before they could. I actually had a giant hole in my palate <laughs> that they had to do bone grafting for. So yes, it does cost a lot of money. The plan for me was to do one implant and then do like a bridge. Um, and I think that that is still what the plan will be in the future. But... I kind of like the way we did it right now where it's we broke it up and I mean maybe even because I know some implants I don't know if your doctor does this or would recommend this but some implants are like the screws that go in and those have to heal for a certain amount of months um, and then you do the implants later the problem is I don't know how long that lasts you know I didn't do the implant screws yet so I don't know if like you have to do the screws and then wait a certain amount of months, but then you can't wait any longer. Um, that might be the case. So, you know, you want to check on that. But if you wanted to break up the cost, I would almost say for me personally, I like what I did, which is having the flipper right now, getting implants later because it's not necessary. I think that that's something you need to talk with your surgeon about. Is it absolutely necessary to have implants right away or can we wait? two to five years, you know, kind of build up that money. There are some people that like need it right away. So definitely ask your surgeon. Um, but I hope that was helpful. Longer episode than usual. I apologize for that. Uh, we will be finishing at the 40 minute mark. Um, what I will say is if you guys have any questions, please, please, please feel free to reach out and I will do the best I possibly can to answer. Uh, when it comes to cost, I have no idea. Um, those are the only questions I really can't answer, and also I'm not a dentist, so, you know, I can only answer based on what I've gone through. Um, but yeah, feel free to DM and email the account. Next week's episode, I'm actually going to be talking about what it's like dating, well, <laughs> being single and trying to date while lacking teeth. So if you guys have any questions regarding that, uh, definitely hit me up. That way I can answer them on the pod. Um, I'm going to make sure next week's episode is at that 30-minute mark. I'll leave time for questions. But yeah, 
Thanks, guys. Love you all so much. Happy holidays, and I will talk to you after the holidays.